Welcome to Kelly Memorabilia and Memories podcast, the podcast which talks about all things connected to Scotland's oldest and, of course, best professional football club. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome along as my guest this evening, Cathy Jamieson, who's very well known to Kelly fans. She is, of course, our fan representative on the board, uh, representing the Trust. And we're going to be having a chat tonight about all things Kelly and Cathy's memories and how it all started for her as a Kelly fan, some of her, her favourite matches, some of her work with the Trust and, and how that came about. And um, yeah, some memorabilia I think is going to be in there as well. So welcome, Cathy. I'm very uh, pleased to be here. I'm looking forward to um, having a chat as a, a Kelly fan for 50-odd years. I don't always like to have to admit that. Um, so s- sometimes the memory be- begins to, you know, get the, the dates and the years a wee bit mixed up. So bear with me if I, if I can't always remember the exact dates. I'll do my I'll best. No, I do that as well. So that's, <laughs> that'll be both of us. <laughs> so obviously a massive week for the club coming up with these two matches against St Mirren tomorrow night and Hamilton on Sunday. How are you feeling at the moment? Well, I, I mean, I, I think like every other Kelly fan, I'm probably a bit on edge. I'm just absolutely hoping uh, upon hope that we can we can do this and we can pull it off. I know the manager's been working really hard to get the guys motivated and, and they are all um, up for it. I think what we just need is a bit of work on our side uh, as well, you know, and uh, I think this is where we really miss the fans being in the stadium because that would be such such a boost. It's just a pity that we've not been able to get people back in um, for these uh, last couple of crucial matches. Yeah, it's been such a strange year, of course, for everyone. How, and how have you found it? I, I, I found it very odd. I mean, going into, um, I think the first match that I went into when there were no fans there uh, in the stadium, was a, it was almost like surreal because for me, you know, the, the whole football experience is about being part of, you know, the, the sort of Kelly community, the people round about you, you know, the kind of back and forward chit chat about the game, the agreements, the disagreements, all, all of that, as well as watching what's going on in the park. And I do genuinely believe that having the support there can really lift the game. Um, so it has been very odd um, to be at times there and, and watching without um, all of that. The other side of that is you hear a wee bit more about um, some of the banter and the chat that goes on in the pitch. Um, some of it, uh, you know, uh, quite amusing. Um, and uh, you hear a bit, it's a bit more about the manager and, and everybody else that's shouting from the sidelines. Yeah, a wee bit of industrial language going on as well, is there? Uh, uh, some, some kind of language that you wouldn't want in a podcast, put it that way. Oh, I know, indeed. No, no, I, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, yeah as, as you say, we're all hoping. Um Obviously, things were looking up just a couple of weeks ago with a fantastic victory over Dundee United. And, you know, we thought we were on our way up and, and then we're back down again after Motherwell just last week. But, of course, it's really life as a Kelly fan, isn't it? We never get too far ahead of ourselves. I, I, I know. It's, it's always that, you know, there is that thing about one taking one match um, at a time. And I think the Motherwell result was a sore one. For everybody, um, I, I don't think anybody would say it. And you know, the manager said this himself. 
It wasn't the best performance. We didn't really deserve on the basis of what had been done um, on the day to have picked up the points. And I think that was the most disappointing. But the, 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 the guys know that um, as well. And they know they've got to pick up the game, you know, uh, for the next two. And they know how much this means to the supporters. And we heard uh, Kurt Broadfoot uh, this week doing his media piece. And, and he was, you know, quite rightly saying this means a lot to the supporters, not just the club, you know, internally, but the wider town and, and the kind of whole area um, as well, and, and how much depends on getting it right. Yeah, it is. It's such a part of the community in Kilmarnock, and as you suggest, it means so much to so many people. You know, and I think back to the playoff match, and let's hope we're not there again, but playoff matches against Falkirk, and Kirk. just the, the atmosphere in the stadium, at the home game, particularly in, on the Sunday, and it just raised the roof, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I remember at the time when we were in that um, scenario thinking, I hope we're never here again. Yeah. Um, and it, it is one of those ones where nobody wants to be in, in that uh, position and we don't want it to be going to the kind of last, uh, the, literally um, the last kick of the ball. But look, we are where we are and we, we've now just got to try and do the very best um, that we possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. But thinking back to your own early memories of supporting Kelly, as you said, you've been a fan for the best part of the 50 years. So what, what are some of the earliest recollections you have? Yeah, well, it's always um, funny to talk about this because um, my, my mother, who has, has passed away now, but my mother just always used to tell the tale of how for the 1957 uh, Scottish Cup final, uh, which Kelly uh, were in, um, that she dressed up my pram in blue and white ribbons. And at that time, th there was a, a kind of thing where, you know, they made you, I don't, maybe not remember these, it was a kind of woolly ball. It was made like a big, massive big pom-pom with blue and white stripes. So apparently this was hanging on my pram and all the kind of blue and white ribbons. Kelly didn't win that day. No. Um, but, and I don't remember it. And ironically, you know, if we fast forwarded the 40 years to, to 1997, we were back in the cup uh, final again and we took one mother along um, to that. She wasn't really a, a, say a massive football fan. She didn't go um, to, to the matches. We took her along uh, to that for an outing. But um, the, the most, I suppose, the kind of earliest memories I have were, you know, being at school and there was all the kind of chat because Kelly were doing quite well, you know, 64-65 season winning the league, they were up there um, but there was also quite a lot of people who kind of supported the different old firm teams and uh, I, I can remember um, speaking to my uncle who was a massive Kelly fan, season ticket holder and saying to him, how did you decide, you know, naively as a child, how do you decide which team to support and he was kind of fair about it. you support your local team you know, Kelly, there's just no other, other way about it uh, but he also said to me, you can't be a supporter if you just, if you're not involved. You, you should go to the games and you should be, you know, actively involved. Um, and he started to take me to the football. And I think he thought it was going to be a kind of, you know, couple of weeks and I would get bored or fed up. Um, but I didn't. Um, so so that that was me kind of um, on, on the journey, I suppose. And, and some of the, my other kind of memories are around... At that time, I mean, I remember the first time going into Rugby Park because I'd only ever seen football really the clips on the television. 
And as he walked up, he had a seat in what's now the Frank Beatty stand. And I remember going up the stairs and walking up and just thinking how massive this place is and how exciting it was just to actually see the players um, on the on the pitch. And uh, of course, I kind of progressed from go, going along um, with him um, to beginning to go to the matches on my own with, with friends. And a couple of um, fairly early uh, memories um, would be around uh, the time that uh, Kelly were in the, I think, I'm trying to remember, 1970 or thereabouts, that Kelly got to the um, semi-finals of the Cup, um, played Aberdeen up at um, Muirton, as it, as it was, uh, Muirton Park in, in Perth. And, and that was that was a big, a, a big excitement because it was a big away game. It wasn't just like nipping down the road to here or, or whatever. And I think the furthest I travelled um, that, you know, around about the, the time of my kind of early years was up to Elgin for another cup match. Um, and again, I can remember there was quite a bit of debate um, in the family because I was going to go along with kind of family friends and not being really quite sure was this the right thing to do or what to do. But I was eventually allowed to go um, and, and, and off we, we all went. So um, I think from that as well, it got me into, you know, you, you kind of try and do the support at home, obviously, but away matches um, as well when you could. Were there any particular supporters' buses that you travelled on? I, I didn't really travel on on the buses, and um, to be honest, because again, either I, I went with my uncle and uh, his friend, yeah. you know, um, by car, um, or or other family, other family members. So, I'm um, going in the buses wasn't really something um, that I was um, particularly um, involved. In. I suppose in that sense, I was quite lucky, um, yeah. you know, that I had. Um, my, I, I can remember. Um, on one occasion, just the fact of, of, of going in the car, um, you probably remember there was a, a kind of a match to celebrate the Eintracht Frankfurt uh, victory. And I'd never got to the original game. It's one thing my, my husband has, has got over me, but um, there were tickets uh, for this match. And, and my uncle, who used to take me to football, liked his cars and had quite a, a sporty wee right. number. And uh, unfortunately, it got broken into. Oh, no. And the only thing that I was worried about at that time was were well, the tickets for the match <laughs> okay because they'd been and they were. Um, but yeah. we still kind of joked about that. That was all I was bothered about was, was the football you're still going to go ahead even though right, right. the car broke yeah. uh, broken, broken yeah. into. So yes, yeah, so, so that that was that became a kind of almost like the kind of family. Um, tradition on, on the Saturday, he would he would take me along, and uh, as I said later, I would go on my own to what was then known as the boys' enclosure um, <laughs> down in front of um, the stand, and uh, that that was always the kind of odd thing as well, because of course everything was set up uh, for young lads, um, you know, and the, the facilities were not there for uh, girls uh, really at, at that particular time. So so I would stand in the boys enclosure. I was allowed to go um, on the basis that I stood in there. I was not supposed to go over onto the terracing, uh, which of course ultimately I did. Um, and uh, my season ticket um, in the East Stand is now roughly where I used to kind of stand oh. on the terrace and when I wasn't supposed to be there. I was supposed to be elsewhere. <laughs> uh, safer in the enclosure. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned been struck by the size of Rugby Park the first time you, you saw it. And, you know, I can recall, I, I grew up in South Hamilton Street and our back garden had, had uh, 
the wall and it had a door in it. And you would open the door and I did this once it was my grandmother I went through with. And she took me, I was just a wee boy, and she took me through and we just walked, you know, there was a lane behind it, of course, it's still there. And you just walked up the steps in the terrace and it was a Tuesday afternoon or something like that, there was nobody there. And you walked in and I was just overwhelmed seeing yeah. the size of this uh, lush green surface, you know, and the stand seemed absolutely enormous. So yeah. I absolutely relate to uh, it, it, it did, and it was, of course, in those days as well, you still had the, the kind of phenomenon of the fans changing ends oh, yeah, yeah. at half time and, and moving between um, the goals and uh, all the rest of it. So it, it, was, it, it was a different kind of atmosphere. Yeah. And, you know, for me, that, that was one of the things about the kind of safe standing when we were looking to kind of bring that back in. And, you know, I remember that, you know, from, from being a kid and just the kind of excitement of it. Um, and, you know, probably now at this stage, you know, I'm quite happy to sit in the seat. Um, but at that time, part of the whole atmosphere was was there. Um, so I was quite keen that other people would get the opportunity uh, to experience that. And that was one of the reasons why we thought that actually putting some of the safe standard into profit stand as well would potentially allow groups of maybe younger you know, teenagers, kids, to be able to kind of congregate at the football in a safe way, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, enjoy enjoy the match. Sadly, of course, with COVID and everything else, we've never really seen yet the benefits um, of that, no. but we'll get that back. Yeah, indeed. And some of your favourite matches over the years? Um, I was having a think about, about this, and, and there's um, a couple of things, obviously, like most fans, I mean, the couple finals, you know, and actually having the uh, excitement of winning. Um, the 1997 uh, cup final, as I said, um, we kind of made, it was billed as a family final, because obviously uh, Kelly and uh, Polkert, and we uh, decided to have a kind of family day out, take my mum, and we had a whole group of us that used to go to the football together as friends. So we decided to book a minibus for that day, and it was to pick people up. Uh, I, I lived down in Stevenson at that time. It was to get to Stevenson and then Irvine and then up to Kelly. It didn't turn up. No. Something had happened and it broke down. So we had a frantic last minute uh, get, you know, let's get everybody piled into cars and get up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I made it, you know. Um, but, but that was a bit, so that was really never like even before the, um, yeah. the match um, started. Uh, and it was a, it was just a great day because again that was a really really good um, atmosphere and I think we could have felt that day that you know probably our luck was in um, and you know and I can remember that time it, it seemed like you know you always have the kind of rose tinted spectacles when you look back but it seemed like the sun was shining and it was a really good day out and, and yeah, all the rest. Yeah. So so that was good. I think my other kind of favourite uh, one uh, obviously would be the twenty twelve. Yeah. Uh, final because we'd had a couple of you know uh, finals before that in the League Cup where it didn't come to anything mm. and I think going into 2012 I don't think very many people were putting their money on no. us no. doing anything and by that time I, I was an elected politician so I had very kindly had an invite from the club to travel with the kind of official right. party uh, I, I, and so on however I, I, again I, I took uh, the decision to 
uh, go with my family and friends and, and uh, you know, just travel under my own steam and, and go in with the rest of the supporters. And the atmosphere that day was just absolutely incredible. And uh, I remember uh, Manuel Pascali was injured and was going on his clutches. Now, absolutely. he'd been very kind enough to kind of do some stuff with me for a, a kind of competition for school kids through my, my work uh, in politics. And he saw me, kind of, he was kind of hobbling around and he saw me and kind of waved and I went down to have a, a bit of a, a chit chat with him. So I can't find it now. It'll be on my, one of my uh, hard drives or loads of photographs. Um, but I got a photograph taken right in the front of that with, with him before the match started. Um, but the point at which, um, you know, we actually scored, oh. I mean, it was just, the whole, I mean, I just felt, you know, if you could feel the kind of vibration of just the whole crowd literally yeah. Yeah. lifting, you know, at, at that particular point, it was just this kind of sense of disbelief, we've done this. And I thought my other half, who was kind of next to me, I thought he was going to pass out with <laughs> Excitement um, <laughs> at that point, but yeah, but that that was just another great day, you know. Um, so so that that's got to be that's kind of got to be up there. There was another one just we were talking about the kind of memorabilia and stuff as well. That this is a kind of more unusual one because it's um, a match against Patrick Thistle oh, way back in uh, nineteen ninety six. Mm -hmm. And I had always forgotten about this until I found um, the, the, the programme when I was kind of looking through some stuff as a signed programme. And then I realised um, it was um, a friend of mine who was a member of the European Parliament at the time, Alec, Alec Smith, and Bill Miller, who was another uh, MEP in, mm -hmm. in Glasgow, they decided to sponsor a match. So they decided to sponsor Kelly D. Party Thistle because that covered both their um, areas. Right. So for me, um, that was the first time that I had ever gone to the park suite for hospitality because oh. we were invited um, along to that. And Kelly won um, that day as well, and we all uh, got a sort of I put the same program. So that was a kind of unusual uh, bit of um, memorabilia um, because I wasn't uh, in my usual my usual seat. None of us were in our usual seats no. that day, but we were all in the park suite first time ever enjoying all that. It's unusual to beat Patrick Thistle at Rugby Park as well. <laughs> that was uh, a bogey team for uh, older listeners will remember that, you know. Absolutely. I think I was saying in the podcast the other week, you know, you could bet your house and come on at nil, Patrick Thistle won. Seemed to be yeah. the result for years, so you know it was special as, for another reason as well, uh, in addition to what you say there. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned that the celebrations at the goal at uh, the 2012 final, you know, absolutely astonishing. Uh, you know, being in, being in Hamden and many occasions and celebrating Scotland goals, of course, over the years, but nothing to compare yeah. to that. It was one of the reasons I, I found myself about 15 steps down. Uh, and I got to the, I, I suddenly realised I was at the very front. <laughs> oh, I bet I, I better stop, pull back, you know, before I'm trying to get over the wall here almost. It just fits the joy that overtook you. Um, yeah. But, oh, what a day. Yeah. I know. Um, it was just, just absolutely un unbelievable. I think it was all, all the, the better for the fact that, you know, pe people didn't really expect us to do it. I think yeah. in the 97 uh, final, you know, it could 
have gone either way, you oh. know, and, and we, you know, had, had, you know, at that time, I think people thought, yeah, we've got a real chance here. I think 2012, you know, even the kind of diehard Kelly fans were thinking, hmm, well, we've, we've, you know, missed out on a couple. Is this going to be another one? Yeah. Um, so it, it was, it was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's great. No, absolutely. And, and I remember after the Hibs defeat, uh, which was absolutely horrible, obviously in 2007, I came out and I said, you know. I'm convinced we'll get back to League Cup final, but the problem is I'll bet you we're playing Rangers or Celtic. Uh-huh. Yeah. The next time. And because opportunities to play non-old firm sides don't come around as we know very often. So yeah, I mean in Celtic, of course, been in what was it, a 26 unbeaten match run. Yeah, game as well. So just, just astonishing. And I know, I know. I, I, it, it, it was weird because the, I, I would have been the Hibs uh, final. Um, I, I'd been invited to um, an event in Glasgow again. You know, kind of through my political stuff um, and all the work I'd been doing in childcare. And, and I said, oh, I'm really sorry, I can't come because the football's on. We'd really like you to come. Could you at least come for half an hour? So eventually, I was got yeah. I'll at least come for half an hour. So there was a kind of an award ceremony. What I didn't know was that I was getting presented with something. Oh. So they were desperate to get me there. So then, of course, I felt really bad because I turned up for half an hour, get this thing, she's really sorry, I need to go to the cup to <laughs> Off I went. Should have stayed at the awards. <laughs> I know. Indeed. But thinking about the... The Kelly Trust, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? You know, it was set up in 2003. We're heading towards 20 years almost I know. Of, of the Trust. And obviously you've been involved with it for some time, as you say. You've got the whole background of community, various community activities and, you know, work through, through your political life in different ways. And so absolutely ideal position that you, you were there in to, to come in and work with the Trust. So what? What trust achievements are you most proud of? I think um, for the trust, you know, if, if you look back when it was originally um, set up, the, the kind of whole movement for Supporters Trust was around uh, trying to get fan ownership. And that was really about having fans, having a more prominent voice and a more prominent say. And I was one of the people who, back in 2003, uh, you know, obviously uh, was uh, one of the original members of the Trust. And again, you know, going back to my kind of political involvement in that, I had been a supporter of the kind of principle of um, fan ownership and setting up Supporters Trust right from the beginning and was really pleased that, you know, the then Scottish executive, as was, took the decision to put some money into that and support us directly and so on but my interest in that went away back even before um an actual fact i can recall going to a meeting at a political party conference uh, which was addressed by uh, andy burnham now of course pretty well known as the the kind of manchester uh, metro mayor um and alec ferguson alec ferguson I'm right. talking about the involvement. So, so that kind of got me interested and I was very involved in the cooperative movement, that kind of yeah. principle of people owning things in common and running things, uh, you know, on a kind of not-for-profit uh, basis. So, so that was really my interest. And, and of course, um, o- over the years, I, I'd seen the, the trust, you know, doing a lot of different things. But I, I think latterly, the ability of the trust to have secured 
the necessary funding to get a fan elected onto the club board is phenomenal uh, in itself. But also the amount of money that has been brought in by the trust since then to do various projects. I mean, the safe standing uh, was was one, uh, and that was something which was about trying to you know improve the facilities for supporters. Uh, the, the trust stepped up, of course, the minute the kind of COVID pandemic hit, and it was clear that there was going to be an impact um, on the uh, club. Trust members were just superb, stepped up, were able to put a donation in as well as putting money in uh, every every month. Um, when we had to pay the fine to the SPFL, again, the Trust and Supporters Association working together to, to get that money in, and the Trust now being the official um, Youth Academy partners. I think th- those are all things that, you know, in the dim and distant past might just have seemed a bit like a pipe dream. Yeah. But I think what we've also been able to do through the Trust is, is, is build up that kind of confidence with the other club directors who are now members of the Trust. Yeah, Billy and, and, and Phyllis are members, that the trust is not was not something to be feared or that was going to you know set out to cause trouble for the sake of it, because we've all got the best interests of the football club at heart, and actually it, it's a way of working you know with the, the supporters um, to have a genuine voice, but also a bit of genuine ownership. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Billy has got the biggest uh, share, and, and Phyllis has, has got a big share. We're now up there as the kind of third uh, owners uh, collectively um, as yeah. the trust. So I think that's really important. Yeah. And you mentioned the trust and the supporters association really coming together there. So would you say there's been more cooperation between the two groups in the last few years? I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the both of the groups do a kind of different thing. And, and that, yeah. that's absolutely, that's absolutely fine. I think what, what we have been able to do is try and organise things and try and do things together which yeah. benefit the football club. Yeah. And, and I think most recently, the fact that, you know, around the kind of whole season ticket issue and where we're going um, with that, the fact that the club were able to say, right, OK, let's have a group of supporters, let's have this focus group of supporters, yeah. representation from... Supporters Association, from the disabled supporters, from the trust, plus some additional, uh, you know, volunteer supporters, if you like, who wanted to, to be involved in that. Uh, that might seem maybe to the outside world as well, okay, you know, maybe it doesn't seem all that significant. But actually, I think it is, because I think it shows how far we've come in terms of the supporters now not being seen as some group that are kind of out there, but actually as part of and an integral part of the club. And that's that's what it's that's what it's all about. And I think as well in terms of the work that's been done in the, the community, the supporters association um, always have their Christmas collection of gifts, which the trust and the club support. We've had um, food bank collections, we've had the Boots for Africa, which came um, about as a result of Dylan Kerr. Uh, former Kelly uh, legend, um, of, of course, um, and a supporter um, who was inspired by that. Susan Russell decided that we could do something here and we all, as a trust, supporters groups and as the club got behind that. So I, I think those are the kind of things that make a difference when everybody's cooperating. That's not to say we all agree about everything all the time. Life's not like that. And there's nothing wrong with robust 
debate till we come to solutions. Yeah. Um, I think the, the working relationship is very, very much better than it had been in the past. Yeah, it certainly seems to be. And I know you often hear people looking at the German model, uh, this 50 plus one, and you know, supporters having that level of input into the running of their clubs and the way the money's spent and so on. Is it fair to say there are a few misconceptions over that? I think sometimes there are misconceptions that somehow that would um, fans would then be taking all the the decisions. Yeah. And like you know, um, I, I'm a, I, everybody kind of knows my political leanings. I'm a socialist and a cooperator and a democrat. Um, but you know, there are things that you just cannot decide by. You know, um, everything going to a vote of every person all the time. You have to take decisions operationally on a day-to-day basis. And of course, um, clubs, it, it doesn't work like that. It's not a case of, you know, the fans would then have an absolute veto or a decision on absolutely everything. Um, and, and I think you're right, there is, there is a bit of a misunderstanding um, sometimes. However, having said that, I think it is really important that we find ways of ensuring that the supporters are part of the club and do feel that sense of ownership. And we've got that through, you know, individual shareholders. Um, obviously, they have their kind of voting rights and so on at the AGM. But I think the fact that we've now got, um, you know, a thousand plus trust members, um, and, and those are folk who have actively taken the decision, plus all the people who are paying into uh, the trust and killing. But those are people who have taken a, a decision that they want to be part um, of the process, which is which is really good, uh, and also that link with the community. And and you know, at Kilmarnock we pride ourselves on being a community club, but that means we've got to put that into practice yeah. and and actually live it um, rather than just yeah. rather than just saying it. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, the more recent decisions that I've been delighted to see as a fellow vegan as well is the introduction of the vegan pie. And I have to say, you know. I've converted a few people that sit around about me uh, because I, I go down and I was getting a bit of stick when I first came back with this. And, oh, what, what's that? What's in that? You know, and um, oh, it's a tremendous smell though, with the, the sort of curry, the aroma that emerges from it. So you will be, I'm sure, delighted to, to have seen that development yourself. Yeah. Um, were you involved in that? Um, I, I, I certainly uh, delighted to see it. Um, John Gall, obviously, um, from Browning's uh, our sponsors. I mean, John uh, knows my kind of vegan uh, history uh, as well and um, has in the past. Uh, I think it would have been, I think, for the 20, maybe for the 2012 final. can't remember which it won, but decided um, that he would create um, a vegan pie um, at that time and, and he made some specially. Um, so um, when there was the kind of opportunity um, to have bit of a say on, look, can we get some vegan food into the, the tea bars? Fair play to John. Um, he, he came up with the, the goods and I did get a wee um, tasting session uh, beforehand yeah. and uh, they are very popular. Yes. Right. So the, the, more, yeah. the more we can do, we're not quite at the Forest Green Rovers, everything vegan and I'm, I'm not sure that that would uh, go down too well in Killy. Uh, yeah, having a vegan pie is, is an improvement. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not, I, I haven't come across other clubs in Scotland who, who have been down this line yet either. 
Um, you might, yeah, Forest Green Rovers are, is a different level <laughs> together, isn't yeah. it? Even the players have to be vegan, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> thinking about your own Kelly memorabilia mm-hmm. and some highlights of that. Yeah, well, I think the absolute highlight, the thing that everybody's probably waiting for um, is scrapbook. the Tommy McLean scrapbook yeah. from my childhood. Right. <laughs> um, I came across this. I couldn't believe that it was still in existence. Um, as I said, my mother passed away, um, unfortunately, and uh, when we were cleaning out stuff in the house, there was a whole load of um, things that belonged to me. Uh, and I think she'd probably kept every Comarnock standard forever, including the kind of right. cup-winning editions. But in a plastic bag with a number of other things was this scrapbook, which I had made. Um, obviously, the days before social media, yes. um, you had to cut photographs out of the daily or Sunday newspapers and paste them in. And um, you had then, I had uh, written them, up the, the, the kind of stories. So I've got Tommy McLean, um, Jim McLean, Jackie McGrory, Alan McDonald, Jim Cook, Billy Dixon, you know, and, and Frank Beattie. And basically what I'd done here was cut out all the, the pictures and written a wee bit about um, each of the players. I don't think I was um, destined for a career in sports journalism when I read back <laughs> some of the things I had had written uh, but um, yeah it, it was really funny actually finding uh, this you know after all yeah. those years um, and the fact that it's been made out of what looks like those old manila folders that you would oh, get files and um, so very cunningly I have done that with some bits of cardboard and cut them all out uh, and, and put them there so we all had a good laugh um, about this uh, with my uh, pictures and uh, little bits of um, snippets of who was who in the in the Kelly team. So so there we have it. So that that's kind of the oldest piece of memorabilia mm-hmm. um, that I've that I've got. Yeah. I've, I've got another um, one which is a bit different, a bit unusual, um, which again came about when I was in elected politics. This is not a Kelly picture. It's the Bill Shankly. Oh yeah. The artwork for the special edition Shankly stamp yes. produced for all the heroes. Mm-hmm. And the reason I've got the, the kind of link um, to Kelly is that when they launched, the, the Royal Mail launched the, the stamp uh, up at Glen Buck, mm-hmm. uh, and um, the person that they got as the postie uh, to turn up uh, for the launch was none other than Derek McDicken. Right. So we had uh, me, uh, Derek, and uh, the Shankly image in the stamp right. um, to launch uh, that. And uh, Derek was, uh, as always, uh, you know, a great sport and spent a lot of time doing the keepy-uppies and everything else right. for the photographers. So, so that's another wee bit of yeah. uh, memorabilia from there. I think that goes back to 2012 or 2013 or yeah. Something like that's so a, a, a while back. Um, anyway, um, in fact, it might even be before that. As I get up, I, I now get to the stage where I can't remember all the dates. Yeah. Um, of course, I've got various other bits. Um, the 40th anniversary of the championship team, 
yeah. uh, when there was, I always find this uh, quite amusing when I when I read uh, back through, because the first thing in all these is always the menu, of course, and what was eaten on the night, which is never what I ate, because I always had uh, different, but, so that was the programme from that, um, and I've also got the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. of the League Cup, uh, as well, which again, this this one uh, has a bit more information in it and goes back right through giving lots of examples of what was actually happening on April the 24th, 1965, including things like what was on the BBC and STV oh, okay. on that day. And I, I was kind of too young to have been taken through for the 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 match at, at Tynecastle um, at, at that time. But I do remember that we were all allowed to stay up really late right. that night because everybody in Kelly, of course, was well, celebrating. Great. I don't think there was any kids anywhere. No. Um, went to their beds. And I think we got extra ice cream at the van. Ah. That kind of um, yeah. thing. So I found that quite funny when I was looking back um, at what was actually on. Uh, that that time uh, on the television on what was the two channels? Um, two channels then, yeah. Two channels that we had to, to work with. So I, I just I had lifted just a pile of things. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, as well, bought the Hamden twenty twelve. T-shirt, yeah. And the the cup final scarf and various uh, different the nineteen ninety seven. Top. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I, I get I get a few uh, bits and bits and pieces there, and then I, I again I came across the one where we weren't quite so um, successful, uh, the two thousand and one yeah. yeah. final, um, which was not one of uh, the, the kind of not one of the better memories, no. uh, but, but nonetheless, um, final, which was yeah. was in the midst of it all. Uh, when I was looking at this stuff, um, I thought. Rather a lot of old strips and various things were used because my son used to collect them. And I came across his old, he would find this amusing that we still have this. Um, his, if you remember, South Park on the oh, yeah. yeah. the South Park. The scarf. Top. I remember that scarf. The Kelly yeah. scarf. So, yeah. yeah, so so in the midst, the midst of all of, all of that. Um, so, uh, and as you'll see behind me, I've got the 1997. Yeah. Uh, limited edition mm-hmm. on the wall, uh, plus my Freddy Dindaloo. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, top. And I, I do on the other wall, which I can't show you, I've got the Pascali uh, 29 top, and I've got various other uh, bits, bits and pieces around. So, yeah. yeah. And the great, great thing about memorabilia, of course, is the memories it just brings back, isn't it? Whether it's it's lifting you, the Partick Thistle programme you had earlier and you think you were attending that match with. And, you know, people often say a programme is just an old bit of paper or, a, uh-huh. or, or cutouts from a newspaper or whatever, but it, it just really isn't, is it? Yeah. Well, I've got, um, I mean, I think this season as well, where we've, we've been getting the programmes, even although... Obviously, yeah, fans are not really. getting into the matches, and you know it's amazing the number of people who still want that yeah. um, information. And of course, John Livingston does a fantastic job for the club, yes. and making sure that all the information is kept up to 
up to date and, and anything. I should have gone to John before I started this and got my dates right in my head about what happened when. Um, but the, the programmes, I think, give that kind of sense of something um, tangible. And, you know, even my wee grandson, who's just turned four, he likes what he calls the football book that I yeah. bring him, and he gets that and he has a wee look at it. And he's yeah. who's on the front and, and all that kind of yeah. uh, stuff. So Yeah, I don't, I don't think social media has ever replaced it. I hope it never does. Mm. You know, with, with all the conversations in it. Information's so instant now, isn't it? Whether it's getting the, the team line up for that day or the manager's interview or whatever, but it's still better to have that in your hand, I think. Yeah. A tangible yeah. memory of, of the day. Yeah. And I think, you know, social media gives that kind of instant um, mm. outlet, you know, for people. And that can be a great thing because it's a good way to connect. I mean, I've connected with a lot of people through social media Absolutely. who probably maybe wouldn't, I wouldn't otherwise have, uh, you know, got to know so well or, or made, you know, uh, communications about the club and, yeah. and so But we've also got to be aware that it can, it can be a pretty grim place oh, yeah. um, at times. And I think, um, you know, when we see and, and think about the kind of impact on people's mental health, particularly young players and, and, and so on, um, you know, so I think we have to be mindful uh, of a kind of sensible use of social media. It can Absolutely. be great, but it, it can also have much more of an impact than perhaps people think. Yeah, very much so. And also in the political world, of course, it can be fierce, to say the least, at times, can't it? Yeah, well, I, I think I, I was probably, um, I mean, I, I obviously started out in politics before social media was mm -hmm. the kind of the big, the big thing. Um, but, you know, latterly, uh, obviously, you know, being very involved in it. So, so I know what it's like and, and you have to kind of develop a particular way of dealing with it. Uh, and that's why I was, you know, I have, I mean, I, I work uh, with young people, that, that's my, my kind of um, professional uh, career at the moment. Uh, and I, you know, I'm very conscious that some of our young players are the same age as some of the young people yeah. I work with. And you, you, we just, you know, it's, it's fine, you know, obviously it's fine to give an opinion, but it doesn't need to be, you know, verbal or no. written abuse. No, no, so. exactly, exactly, yeah. And yeah. especially for players maybe not had the best of matches, they, they're going to know that themselves, aren't they? And, you know, yeah. if you have people piling on to anonymously, you know, uh -huh. yeah. that must be really tough. There's, there's no question. Yeah, yeah and I, th I think it's, it impacts on, on people in different ways. And some people, you know, particularly some of the young youngsters can, can take it to heart and then maybe feel they have to come off of social media or, yeah. you know, for their own for their own sake. And yeah. But having said that, it can be a really powerful way oh, yeah. to connect with people. So, so long yeah. as we use it positively. And I think that's been one of the other things, you know, for me as well, is, is being able to try and make those connections with, you know, the kind of mass of supporters. Yeah. Um, I do my monthly report mm -hmm. from the trust. Mm -hmm. um, that goes out via the club um, as well, so that it's available not just to trust members can contact me. I can't always respond instantly in social media or email, but I will, you know, get back to people. And there is, you know, a kind of channel um, in there for them. Yeah, definitely. And some of your favourite Kelly players over the years, you mentioned some greats already with Tommy McLean and Frank Beatty and Jack and McGrory, but any any others? Um, I, I mean, obviously, when I was younger, Tommy McLean was the, the, the kind of hero mm -hmm. uh, of the hour, um, so, so to speak. Uh, 
Tommy Burns was a big favourite of mine as well. I thought he, his, his contribution to Kilmarnock was incredible. And he was just such a, a really nice person. He was. As well, and, and quite inspirational in in many ways, and so so I was a big a big fan, and uh, I, I worked for a, a children's organisation for kids in care, Who Cares Scotland, and we used to use the facilities at Parkhead at Celtic Park for some of the training uh, sessions that we did, and uh, you know some of the young people who who knew I was a big Tommy Burns fan after you know when he had gone to Celtic. Um, arranged in one of the training sessions one day uh, that we were up there for him to come down um, and speak to me because be, I think it was, I can't remember which birthday, it was probably a big birthday or something, um, and, and come down and give me the birthday card and a bunch of flowers and, and all the rest of it. And, and he couldn't have been nicer, you know, and that was like one of those things like, you know, as the manager of a big club, uh, and at that time, you know, a group of kids writing to him saying, would you come and do this because our boss is a big fan but he did it and he, and, he, and obviously they'd made the kind of killer connection yeah. um, so so I thought he was a, a, a really good a really good uh, person and I loved the when the documentary was done about him yeah. I really loved all the Kilmarnock references mm-hmm. it was well done in that definitely yeah yeah absolutely and finally I know there are you know rumblings in the media today about Rangers and Celtic Colt teams going down to the, the Lowland League we've had the furore, for a better word, uh, of the Super League in the last two or three weeks. But what would you say would be the, the most positive change in Scottish football that we could make going forward? Well, look, I mean, I, I think that some of the, the kind of tinkering at the edges of, of things like cult teams and so on is not going to solve the kind of structural issues that are there um, you know, in, in, in Scottish football. And I was looking back, um, and again, um, it is memorabilia, and I sort of really looking back to 2016. The um, Scottish Football Supporters Association, the fans' manifesto at that oh, time, yeah. um, was really kind of talking about how we need a kind of root and branch rethink of how football um, is, is run. And I, I think that going forward, we have to look at you know, it is it's the kind of size of the the league structures that we've got correct. Um, is the number of matches correct? Is it, you know, um, the right thing to have the kind of two football bodies, SPFL and SFA? Probably going to get myself into trouble saying all these things. Um, but also looking at how we reinvest, you know, back into youth football and get the grassroots into academy set up and uh, right through... I'm absolutely correct. But we won't do that if they opt for things like the way the Super League went, where that was nothing to do with the fan involvement in football, the players, and even in some instances, the managers and you know the staff in, in football. This was something that was done by the by owners who ultimately were seeing it as money driven. You know, with the, the television rights um, for you know international audiences, rather than you know as as we are, you know, clubs rooted in our communities that actually mean something and have a history that matters to people. So, so for me, if if it's just a group of folk going off on the side and saying, well, we can do it this way, that's not the way forward. It's got to involve um, the supporters. It's got to you know involve 
ex-players, current players, and have those discussions and look at what we what we can do. But I, I, I'm not sure that the current setup is going to be sustainable in the longer term if we are serious about having that player pathway right through from the grassroots through into what we all want to see as well, good club football but into the, the, the Scotland Scotland team. Yeah. So um, more involvement, more say from the fans and the people in football and listening to them. Uh, and I think, you know, to be fair to, if I can be, uh, to both the SPFL particularly and, and, and the SFA, they're, they're trying to, to do what they think is right. I don't think anybody there is wanting to do a bad job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, when you're the SPFL, you know, and the SFA, you're the kind of regulator as well as the membership body. That, you know, th- this is me on my boring governance bit, you know, um, which is a bit of my day job as well. But that's a tricky balance to have. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to promote and you're trying to, you know, get the development work and all the rest of it done, but you're also the rule maker and the arbiter. And, it, it, you know, I, I'm not saying that it's, it's, you know, about individuals' vested interests, but sometimes you can't square the circle in those things. So I think that's got to be looked at. Yeah, absolutely. And the Super League, as you suggest, I think, couldn't be further from a cooperative. And it's, it's an idea to it and, you know, Absolutely, fans, even the players weren't involved, and it was all undoubtedly uh-huh. money. And, and that, that was for me is, is how on earth could they have got that far as mm-hmm. to have got to the stage of saying, Look, we're going to do this. And, um, you know, and again, just without thinking of the contractual implications for players, you know, for, from, a, from a kind of point of view of, you know, the players as a workforce being bought and sold. In, in, in that way, with absolutely no say um, in the matter, and players thinking, well, don't know that. I want to go to that. You know, that's not what I signed up for. Um, so e- even on that level, I just thought, how could they have gone? How could they have got it so wrong and, and gone that gone that far? But it was quite clear to me that there was, you know, almost like that the fans at that stage where you could be dispensed with. Yeah. We don't need them because we can get the, this international television uh, package. Um, and look, at the end of the day, we've all had to spend this season watching football on the telly, and it is not the same. No, indeed. Indeed, it is not. Well, Cathy, many, many thanks for your time tonight. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. And going, going down memory lane with your own uh, thoughts and, and memories of Kelly in so many different ways, not just the matches and the players, but obviously the, the memory of Eli, the famous scrapbook. Uh, that you shared with us there as well. That was, that was fantastic. And as we said at the start, we're in this uh, massive week for the club and let's all keep our fingers crossed. Clearly, yeah, this time next week, uh, for the next podcast indeed, that we'll all be in a better and happier place. Yeah. Um, fingers absolutely, absolutely crossed. Absolutely crossed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remain confident, I remain hopeful. Um, you've got to be an optimist, but as we say, we know we know well the roller coaster which has been a Kelly fan. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here's hoping, here's hoping. But thank you again, and if you are listening to this, do give us a follow on Spotify, Apple, um, all the usual providers. Do look us up on Twitter, of course, under Kelly Memorabilia as well. And many thanks as always. To those people who have subscribed, who have taken part in the competitions, and who do listen into us each week. And for the moment, it's good night from me, and it's good night from Kathy. Good night.
Thank you.